And the hymn for today, built on the rock, the church does stand. on the rock the church does stand uh, you're listening to law and gospel on this rumination tuesday august the 18th in the year of our lord 2020 i'm pastor tom baker and with me my co-host pastor mark smith hi mark hey tom beautiful summer day late summer day and a great hymn too uh yes it really is it was written by uh nikolai frederick Severin Grundtvig. Uh, wow. He was born in 1783 in Odby, Denmark. Now, his father was an Orthodox Lutheran, but at that time, rationalism was going on. And you know what the sermons were like there. They were moralistic. There were lectures on good farming techniques, human virtues, but very little about sin and forgiveness. So Nikolai, he began to write poetry early and was gradually drawn, though, to traditional Christianity, seeing Christ as the center of history. And he was opposed by the church leaders at that time because he opposed rationalism. But he had also many admirers and followers. Uh, There is no doubt that many of his hymns are familiar to us. In fact, he's considered one of the three great Danish hymn writers and is sometimes called the singer of Pentecost. And the two hymns he's best known for, Built on the Rock, The Church Shall Stand, we'll look at that, and God's Word is Our Great Heritage. His hymns and spiritual songs, Mark, fill five volumes, and his secular poems, seven volumes. In 1861, he received the title of bishop, preached his final sermon on September 1st, 1872, and died the next day. No kidding. Yeah, I, I hardly ever heard of this guy. And and yet he was extremely influential, which also is the same uh, about the uh, uh, translator, Carl Dubbing, also born in Norway around the same time, 1867. But guess what he did? He went to the United States, studied at Luther College in Decorah, Iowa, Lutheran Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, served Norwegian Lutheran congregations in Red Wing and Montevideo, Minnesota, and Brooklyn, New York, and for 22 years 
served as a city missionary in Chicago that he was able to translate when he would visit people in hospitals. He conversed with his patients in German, Icelandic, Norwegian, Swedish, Danish, and Greek. Wow. Wow, he was quite an individual. I don't know. I thought the, I thought the first guy, Grundig, was impressive, but the, the uh, translator, wow, that's something. Yeah, we want to know all these things, were it not for CPH putting out a companion to the hymns, Volume 1 and 2, where they go over all the translators and everybody else. He died on October the 2nd, 1937, and I'll tell you, these are the hymns he helped translate, built on the rock. Behold a host arrayed in white. Oh, that's a beautiful one. I know. And salvation unto us has come. And finally, we talked just a moment on the composer, Ludwig Lindemann. You want to guess where he was born? Yeah, well, I'd like to know. Yeah, I've known some Lindemans myself. Norway. Norway, huh? With the other two. And his dad was an organist at Our Lady's Church in Trondheim. He was appointed organist at Our Savior's Church in Oslo. And he had done a lot of translation, uh, a lot of hymnody. In fact, he also had put together several thousand folk melodies. He did not use this in his choral work, but he did collect these religious folk songs, and they appeared in two collections. That's Ludwig Lindemann. And um, the Lindemanns, do you know, are any of them uh, Norway? No, they're, they're a solid German. Oh, solid Central German. Missouri, Central Missouri Germans. So we are now ready to get to the hymn, Built on the Rock the Church Shall Stand. And there's something interesting about this. Uh, when it was written by Grundtvig, it appeared in nine stanzas, later shortened to seven by him himself. And the LSB... Our hymnal reduces it to five standards. And there's a question, what was it about? There's not a, a, a real good background to it, but there's no doubt that it is kind of built on the fact that the cathedral church in Our Lady in Copenhagen was in ruins uh, the result of the Napoleonic Wars. And some think this inspired Grundtvig to emphasize the concept of living stones rather than the crumbled spires of the physical church. And the living stones refer, of course, to the members of the Holy Christian Church. Well, actually... Yeah, actually, you look at the uh, you look at the opening line built on the rock. The rock, of course, is capitalized, which to me indicates it's talking about the rock Christ. Yes, there's no doubt about that. Uh, for example, 
This is from Matthew 7, verses 24 and 25. Jesus says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And in Matthew sixteen eighteen, Jesus says, after Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, unfortunately, the Roman Catholics, because the word Petros sounds like the word rock, it is, but when Jesus uses the word rock, it's in a different gender, and he's referring not to Peter, but to the confession that Peter made. That's interesting because, you know, Paul, uh, in in his writings, he talks about the rock that uh, followed Israel and from which they drank, and then he says that rock was Christ. Yes, right. Well, we'll get more into that as we go through the text. Why don't you start with stanza one? Okay. Built on the rock, the church shall stand, even when steeples are falling. Crumbled have spires in every land. Bells still are chiming and calling, calling the young and old to rest, but above all, the souls distressed, longing for rest everlasting. So this clearly indicates that, yes, Cathedrals may have been destroyed in the Napoleonic War, but the church is still going on, bells are still chiming, and calling the young and old to rest, but above all, the souls distressed. Isn't that appropriate for our day? Boy, you aren't kidding, yes. That's for sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of hurting people out there, a lot of people that are worried about you know, what what the future holds for us all, and uh, a lot of souls are distressed out there at this time. And a number of them refer to themselves as nuns. Uh, explain yeah. that. Well, nuns is not, it's not N-U-N. It's not like the sisters in the Roman Catholic Church, but uh, nuns are those that have no real affiliation with any church. Yeah, you ask them, what denomination do you belong to? And they say, none. Because they're just kind of fed up with what they hear in church. And I would be, too, in some of the churches they attend, where you get the impression that what you do makes a difference. And see, that's what Grundvig was uh, living under, rationalism, where they began to rationalize and use reason to understand the Bible. And reason became more important than Scripture interprets Scripture. And... We're going through that today, where you know at the seminary uh, we were taught a number of times uh, from theologians, both in the church and without the church, that a lot of this was just made up by the disciples and not really true. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, terrible. Of course, uh, there were a lot of that's the you know the so-called age of reason. Uh, 
we even talk about great founders of our nation, wonderful men uh, like Thomas Jefferson. And I remember yeah. hearing about Jefferson's Bible where he tried to eliminate all the all the supernatural. Well, he was wrong on that score. That's correct. Yeah, he tried to write a Bible without the supernatural. And so that's the first stanza. Go ahead with stanza two. Surely in temples made with hands, God the Most High is not dwelling. High above earth his temple stands, all earthly temples excelling. Yet he who dwells in heaven above chooses to live with us in love, making our bodies his temple. Now you can understand him writing this from the point of view that the temples around them are being destroyed by war. Right. And a lot of people, you get that impression sometimes when you even hear today a tornado hits a church or something, and people think that God is gone. That's not true, is it? Not at all. And a lot of times people, you know, they, they love their church, and a lot of times they they identify with the building. Uh, and, and that's understandable, but we had to realize that the church lives on. Christ, is, Christ still lives on in all of us. Uh, his church, as he tells us himself, he says the, the gates of, very gates of hell will not prevail against his church, even when uh, the earthly buildings are destroyed. And so you can understand why uh, Grundvig, therefore, is kind of writing this from the point of view of where he is living. Now, we don't have uh, many churches being destroyed, uh, even by those who don't like us anymore, but there, a lot of them are kind of dwindling down because people are leaving them and they're not satisfied any longer with the Word of God. And a lot of times these churches aren't really even preaching the Word of God. They're pe- preaching a form of legalism that says, here's what you need to do in order to be saved, etc. And so I can understand why people are leaving the church there, because this, like Job realized, this is not the God he believed in. Let me read stanza three. And notice this. We are God's house of living stones, built for his own habitation. He, through baptismal grace, us owns, heirs of his wondrous salvation. Were we but two, his name to tell, yet he would deign with us to dwell with all his grace and his favor. So there he's talking about the living stones, and that is found in First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And there's also a reference to one of the sacraments here. Yes, yes, especially in the fourth verse. It talks about baptism. Oh, no, we're, we're on verse 3. In verse 3, okay, we're God's house. I'm looking here, built for his own habitation. He, through baptismal grace, us owns. Yes, he, he owns us. 
We belong to him through baptism. And the metaphor that God loves using is we are not begotten, we are adopted. Adopted, right. In fact, I'm really looking forward to this Sunday. We're adopting two young children uh, into the Holy Christian Church. And um, I got there early last week and asked them, well, how do they do that here? And the people I was talking to, it had been so long since they had a baptism, they couldn't remember how it was done as to whether the font would be moved over or what happens. And we finally did get it figured out. But it was it's kind of interesting, and we're looking forward to that uh, baptismal rite for sure. Well, I'm sure that'll be a a big event there in that congregation. If they haven't had a baptism for a while, that's always that's always neat to to have. You bet. Yes, yeah, I always enjoy uh, the baptisms, and I know you have quite a few, and you're still affiliated with uh, uh, your churches with the parochial school. Oh yes, Christ Community Lutheran School, right. Excellent. All right, stanza four. Okay, and here's a lot of references to sacraments. Here stands the font before our eyes, telling how God has received us. The altar recalls Christ's sacrifice and what his supper here gives us. Here sound the scriptures that proclaim Christ yesterday, today the same, and evermore our Redeemer. So you've got word and sacrament both. Uh, yeah. in, in It's loaded with word and sacrament, that fourth verse. Now, a lot of times we talk about two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. The confessions sometimes refer to a third item as Absolution. sacramental. Yes, and what is absolution? Holy absolution is, of course, when the pastor, uh, when we confess our sins, sometimes as a, as a congregation, sometimes privately, and the pastor pronounces God's forgiveness upon us. And that yeah. forgiveness of sins, we talked about that with C.F.W. Walter last Wednesday, doesn't necessarily have to be a pastor. It can be a parent or someone else forgiving sins. That's right. Fact, there's this story, I think Augustine told it, about uh, a man who was not yet a Christian but wanted to be baptized. Yes. And the person who was to baptize him wanted to receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins. Yes, uh, the right. absolution. So what he did, he baptized the unbeliever, and then the unbeliever forgave his sins. Yeah, and then supposedly there was a bishop nearby that uh, that okay. affirmed that. <laughs> yeah, he was on the same ship. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know um, <laughs> if that was heard at the semi uh was at or not, that they gave the impression that only pastors are able to forgive sins. I disagreed with that then, and I still do. Yeah. Yeah, that's, no, absolutely. The, the office of the keys is given to the church. Yes. Now, pa well pastors. Now, as far as public, uh, the the public uh, pronunciation yes. of absolution that should be that should be really for pastors, as also the you know like uh, the Lord's Supper. But uh, but goodness, yes. Uh, if you have a friend that needs to hear the gospel, needs to hear God's forgiveness for him, absolutely, uh, you've. 
that's part of the office of the keys given to the church, uh, that you can share God's forgiveness in Christ with that person. Yes. In, in fact, in the liturgy, um, when the absolution takes place, there's two forms. I'm looking here at Divine Service setting three. Uh, the one form is done by the pastor, yeah. where he talks about, I by virtue of my office. But the other form is the people confess their sins, and therefore if you have, let's say, a field worker, a seminarian saying Seminary it, student. Or even, yeah. a late, even a even uh, an elder. Yes. It says, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given his only Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. Right. So we even have two different forms, as you just said, one for the public worship by a pastor and one for the public worship by someone who is not a pastor. Right. Now, I also like verse 4's translation. Here stands the font before our eyes telling how God has received us not accepted us. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a subtle distinction that God has received us, not accepted. Why don't you tell the listeners why received is better than accepted? Because all the Reformed have accept. You invite Christ into your heart. Uh Uh-huh. So in other words, it's not something we have done. It's something what God has done. Yes, right. And if you remember at Pentecost, when they asked, what can we do? Peter says, be baptized, and it's a passive. It's not an active. It's not an act that you do. It's an act that God does on you and you will receive the two gifts of the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that, so, that's important. I, I do remember he does say you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, yes. Exactly, exactly. All right, stanza five. Okay. Grant then, O God, your will be done, that when the church bells are ringing, Many in saving faith may come where Christ his message is bringing. I know my own, my own know me. You, not the world, my face shall see. My peace I leave with you. Amen. Now, what he does here, you know, at at the bottom of our hymns, we often have uh, Bible verses, but... um, I'm giving serious thought about going through the hymns and writing down all the Bible verses so you can look up a Bible verse. Um, For example, we've got uh, various Gospels we read, and we're wondering, well, is there a hymn that deals with that? Stanza 5, which you just read, has three Bible verses, uh, none of which are uh, mentioned at the bottom. The one is John ten fourteen. Right. I know my own, and my own know me. The other is John 14, verse 19. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. And the other is John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you. And what Grundvig does is he incorporates all three of those 
into that final hymn. Mm-hmm. The final verse. There's also an interesting word at the end of that verse. Amen. Yes. You yeah. know how many hymns don't have an amen anymore? <laughs> I know. Hey, would you add an amen to that in addition to that or not? Or just leave it as it is? The, okay, I'm at four churches, and there's an organist at two of them I preach at. He always puts an amen behind them, even if there is not one written. And so I don't know what he would do with this if he would put another <laughs> amen. But you yeah, would be I saying, love churches like they love that amen, don't they? I remember, I remember when we got to, I, even the last hymn, even the last hymn of Luther worship, uh, people would complain. Where, where, what happened to the amen? They all missed the amens. Yeah, for some reason LSB took a lot of them out. Uh huh. And that doesn't mean that the organist. It, it's pretty simple to know how to do an amen if you take a look at the key in which this is written. And there's just certain notes that you yeah. hit down, amen. And what does amen mean? Yes, yes, it shall be so. Yes. In fact, it's the word used in the Greek when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. It's kind of like when we say today, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So, thank you, Mark Smith, for being with me today. As we looked at Built on the Rock, tomorrow we'll continue our discussion with CFW Walther on Law and Gospel. I'm Tom Baker. Please join with us tomorrow. God bless Listen you. To Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.